You know what I'm going to tell you, Matt? Don't be a Jimmy Buffett fan. Oh. Because that's, 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 that's a Jimmy Buffett oh. fan mentality. Now, <laughs> I think that was the biggest insult of my life. Jesus Music podcast where today we will be discussing Iron Maiden, specifically focused on The Number of the Beast and Senjutsu, their latest album. I am Matt. You can follow me over on Twitter at from NJ2CA. The two is the number two. And I'm here with my good friend John. John, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Matt. Good to talk to you, man. It's been a little while. Hell yeah, it has been a while. We'll get into that in a minute. But <laughs> John, where can people follow you if they want to follow you? On the uh, Twitter, it's SloopJ232, and on Instagram, SloopJohn232. Awesome, awesome. Uh, quick bit of housekeeping before we hop into the show. Please go ahead and follow us on social media if you guys aren't already doing that. At Nerdthusiast over on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. You can follow us on all those things. Um, you guys can also support us for as little as a dollar a dollar a month over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Nerdthusiast. Uh, you can vote on poll topics over there, get early ad-free access to many of our shows, and you get exclusive videos every single month. If you cannot or do not want to support us financially, that's totally cool. Um, you guys can support us uh, for free just by liking and subscribing on YouTube, uh, ringing the bell over there. Uh, another thing you can do is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, uh, you guys can give us awesome reviews. Those really do help us out, and those are completely free to do if you want to support us in that way. Now, before we get into the music part of things, let's have a little icebreaker question. This is in celebration of WrestleMania, which is happening this weekend. John, tell the people, who is your favorite wrestler of all time? That would be the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Brett the Hitman Hart. That's not totally surprising. I, I kind of knew that about you, but I wasn't sure if that would be like your, your absolute best or not. Or, well, yeah, favorite Brett is my guy. Brett is my guy. Actually, I went running today in one of my Bret Hart shirts. <laughs> so if we would have recorded earlier, I would have been rocking uh, my Hitman t-shirt. That's awesome, man. I'm assuming it's black and pink. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. How about you, man? Who's your favorite wrestler? It's, it's a hard question, man. It ebbs and flows. I would say that the wrestler that like... I mean, obviously, I loved Hogan back in the day. I mean, everybody loved Hulk Hogan in like you know the early nineties and yeah, stuff. Yeah, stars kind of. I, I was a Hulkamaniac too, but that stars kind of faded. <laughs> yeah, everybody loved him for that period of time. You know, Andre the Giant was really cool. 
Roddy Roddy Piper is certainly up there as well. Like he's awesome. But I would say the person that I really, really like, this is probably the reason I started watching WWF at all, because I was really into WCW and ECW is the rock. Like even more than stone cold, Steve Austin. I love the rock, uh, especially, I mean, him as an actor is fine. Like he has a great personality and like, you know, at least so seemingly so, but him as a wrestler was like, man, he got me so invested into matches and stuff. It was he's the awesome. coolest man. He's the, he's the coolest. He's the coolest. Oh, by the way, Austin wrestled last night and he was great. I saw a picture of him. I didn't know that he actually wrestled. So I, the yeah. picture I saw was just him, like you know, drinking beer as as he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it wasn't it wasn't five star uh, Austin, but yeah, it was it was it was fun. And the guy he wrestled, uh, Kevin Owens, is is one of my favorites of today. I, I love Kevin Owens. You know, was good, this a scheduled match or did this just like, did he just show up? Well, and... everybody knew they were going to wrestle. Like everybody knew it. They had been kind of building it, but I think they didn't build it up as a match because I think they were afraid of it not landing hard, landing good. So mm. they built it up as Kevin Owens uh, challenging Austin to come out and do his like interview segment. And then when Austin sits down for his interview segment, you know, Owens is like, well, I lied to you. I got you here because I want to challenge you to a match, you know, and then, <laughs> yeah that's kind of a cheesy setup they could have done yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't the greatest ways. show last night but that was a highlight that was a highlight i mean this is what happens when you split wrestlemania into two nights but that's a whole other story oh, God, it's a whole other story <laughs> that's a whole other story and i'll probably be talking about that on another podcast <laughs> absolutely so look out for that guys we are starting up the wrestling podcast sometime in the future so please look forward to that john's going to be on that show as well all right let's hop into the main topic we, uh, we actually made a playlist over on Spotify. John made the playlist over on Spotify that we already sent out. Uh, we'll send it out again for you guys, but you know, you guys can go in there and listen to the songs that we're going to be going over. So we're not discussing the entire album. We're not going into every single song. We just picked a few out of each. Plus, um, John picked out two early uh, songs, pre-Dickinson, that we're going to be discussing as well. So we should probably start with those songs. But is there anything you want? Do you want to go over like some history and stuff first, John, about Iron Yeah. Maiden? Yeah, like a lot of people celebrate Christmas on December 25th. I don't. Um, I celebrate something that is more important and dear to my heart, and that is the formation of the greatest heavy metal band of all time, Iron Maiden, who formed <laughs> on December 25th, 1975. So Merry Iron Maiden Day on your December 25th. That's a crazy um, statistic, man. Yeah, I, you know what? And, I, and I'm lying with, with my whole like build up of that. I only found that out like five years ago, and it's just a fun thing to joke about. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody! But um, no, uh, yeah the um, the original lineup was Steve Harris, Paul Diano, Dennis Stratton, Dave Murray, and Clive Burr on drums. They were the lineup that uh, recorded that first record, and that was the first song that I put down was from that first record that was phantom of the opera and if you notice with that first lineup uh dennis stratton and dave murray were the two guitarists on that it's almost like dueling leads you don't really hear a rhythm guitar too much on it it's it's very finger picky it's very lots of lead guitar not not as heavy on the riffage on that first record and i thought that was interesting great song i mean phantom of the opera is one of my favorites but if you notice it's it's not as riffy as future maiden jams no, not at all. I, I I wasn't too crazy about it. It was an all right song. A lot of these songs were new to me. I knew some Maiden going into this, just so you guys know. So, so John, obviously, he's a huge Maiden fan. He knows a lot about Maiden. I do like heavy metal, but for some reason, I, 
I can't explain it to you. I just never got an Iron Maiden until probably about a year ago I started listening to them. And then there's a lot of songs on here that, uh, well, obviously they're new, they're new stuff. I wasn't listening to a year ago, but you know, I wasn't listening to a lot of this. They just came up like when I was listening to like Metallica and like Megadeth. I really like Megadeth a lot. And they would come on and eventually I was like, oh man, I actually think I like these guys. And then I started diving into more of their stuff. So I was really happy to do this because it exposed me to things like Phantom of the Opera, which I haven't heard before. Yeah, Phantom of the Opera is a cool jam. Um, I actually got to see them play it live a couple times, which was which it's, it's always special when they bust out these uh, these pre-Bruce songs with Bruce on vocals. It's always a little, uh, it's a nice little special uh, treat. Phantom of the Opera is always a welcomed addition. For the second song that I picked out, uh, I picked off of the Killers record, which was the title track Killers. Now, on the Killers record, they did have a uh, lineup change. They replaced Dennis Stratton with guitarist Adrian Smith. And I think that was such mm. a welcomed addition. Like, you can hear this is a much riff-heavier record, much riff-heavier song. You have a rhythm driving because Adrian is just a riff master. Yeah, I mean, I, I could hear the difference right away. This, this song was way more appealing to me than Phantom of the Opera. Not the fan of the opera was bad, but I mean, if we're talking about this set that we have, I think Killers is way better. Here's like some notes I made about it. The song almost has like a religious ritual like theme going on to it. The, the story he's telling is like the excitement of a killer, uh, you know, showing maybe perhaps a bit of remorse, but it doesn't matter because even though he's like, he, like the killer's like almost like an inner struggle, like he doesn't want to kill people, but he's like, he's like, you know, he has to. It's like hardwired into his brain, compelled thoroughly to kill people. And there's like a moral struggle there. I think that's mostly what the song is about. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, that's that sounds about right. I mean, I've I've thought about that song over and over a lot. And yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. And Paul and 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 this to me is one of my favorite Paul Diano moments from the Paul Diano years. He kills this vocal. Paul Diano really had some cool moments, and especially on this record, and killers to me is like definitive Paul Diano era Iron Maiden. Yeah, here's a quick sample. This was the, the, I thought the best verse out of the song was the second verse. My innocent victims are slaughtered with wrath and despair, the mocking religion of hatred that burns in the night. I have no one. I'm bound to destroy all this greed. A voice inside me compelling to satisfy me. Awesome. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> awesome. Pretty awesome. Uh, I, I mean, I don't have the notes in front of me. I'm imagining that this is a Steve Harris uh, written song, and Steve Harris is just a genius when it comes to. I don't know who songs. wrote it, but dude, that is some. That's freaking great. Yeah. Uh, this set list is great for like Halloween time if anybody's listening. Almost every song on here is about like death and war and violence. Like not every song, but I mean, ninety percent of them are pretty much about. Oh, those and they're and maidens jams and maidens jams are almost all like from a first person point of view too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like when you really think about it. Yeah, he's putting himself in the mind of a killer. He's not like, you know, saying... So, it's, it's like, awesome. I, like, I don't even know how I never really like thought of that before. But like, yeah, most of Maiden's jams are first person. Yeah, this this stuff's so. great, man. Killers was a uh, Killers was a massive success for them. Like, m Killers really put them... Like, that record really put them on the uh, map to support that tour... They were headlining over England, and then when they came over to uh, North America, they got a huge opportunity opening for Judas Priest here nice. in arenas. And that's and uh, like my old boss at the record store tells me that that's the first time he saw Iron Maiden, so he got to see Maiden with Paul Diano, which was always cool to me. 
they're establishing themselves, and then they come out with the really gutsy decision that, hey, our singer is a total fuck-up. Dude, like, this is what I wanted so, to get into. Like, I don't know the story behind this. So how how does he end up leaving, and then they end up replacing with Bruce Dickinson? Totally unreliable. Like, just totally unreliable. Drugs, alcoholic, okay. just, like... And this is just as they're getting, like, their feet wet with, like, you know, fa- uh, with fame and, and Steve Harris. You know what? And you know what? Maybe it's smart. They're saying, you know what? Before we really blow up, let's let's uh, let's cut this out and replace them. And then they replaced them with uh, 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 Bruce Dickinson, who was in a band called uh, Samson, who were a uh, well-known, not well-known, but they, they were a reputable uh, British heavy metal band at the time actually opened for uh, maiden on the uh, killers tour in England. All right. So they were familiar with Bruce. They knew him. They brought him in for an audition. And I think they, I'm pretty sure they, they, uh, they just asked him on the spot. Hey, you want in? And then they basically immediately went to work on the number of the beast record. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's so crazy to think that like, that's probably like that, the pinnacle record from them that it was their first one with Dickinson. Like that's so that's nuts, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, well, I, I would disagree that it's pinnacle, <laughs> but really? it's, no, no, to me, for, pinnacle, for pinnacle, pinnacle maiden would be, Power Slave, Power Slave would probably be my favorite, my favorite Maiden record. But um, I, I'm probably biased just because like two of my favorite songs are on that record, so that's probably. But I mean, but I, but I mean, this is, but this is a favorite record of a lot of people, like of a lot oh, of yeah. people. I, I mean, it's, I mean, it's on any anybody's like top twenty metal records of all time, and a lot of people would have it top five to ten. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it opens out strong. Invaders was the first song on that record, right? Or was uh-huh. it the second song? It's the first jam. First song. So that that should be the next one that we mention. Give me your thoughts on Invaders. Well, Invaders, you you immediately realize that you're doing something different than the first two Maiden records. It's uh, there's something. It's faster. It's just immediately faster. Like it's. It's the, the I mean, there were some really fast songs on those first couple Maiden records, but this is like cr- just cranked up to eleven here to to use Spinal Tap's uh, you know <laughs> measurement. But I mean, it's it's just it's just a fast fast jam, and if if you ever see uh like the live footage of Bruce just like running and jumping while they're doing this song, it's like yeah, I can I I I, I could just see that in my head whenever I hear this song. It's a great opener. It is. I mean, it really, especially going from like the, the you know, the, the previous singer to him, like it, he kind of shows right away, like, hey, I can do what he can do. Like, this, this, I can do it probably better. And I think as you go through the album, it's clear, it becomes clear as day that he was a better singer. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, and the other, the other thing that it is, what is which is different, it's, it's weird. It's going to sound like this is taking a step back, but it's, to me, it's a step forward. They sounded more like their other contemporary British metal bands of that time with this, like, I don't know, with the, the, the Anno era, I, it's something I should like more because when I, when I use this word, but it feels like there was like a punk influence on those, on those, uh, on those records. And that's, that's kind of wiped away here. Just from those two songs that you, that we added to the list. I can kind of get that. Th- that's kind of wiped away here. They're, they're like, we're, we're a British heavy metal band. And we're going to do it better than anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, Invaders has uh, an awesome verse. The fifth verse in that song, axes grind and maces clash as wounded fighters fall to the ground. So I think this is... I mean, this this is Bruce Dickinson telling you, hey, this is what I write about most of the time. Like, if you look at a lot of these songs, they're all about war. And this is clearly, you know, that as well. Severed limbs and fatal wounding bodies collapse all, lay all around. The smell of death and burning flesh, the battle-weary fight to the end. The Saxons have been overpowered, victims of the mighty Norsemen. Yeah, so. pretty badass stuff. Yeah. And then the, and then we, the, uh, the other, the next song that we did put down here was, um, a song that really kind of features that, whoa, Bruce Dickinson is one incredible vocalist, and that's Children of the Damned. I mean, that would, you took the words right out of my mouth. Like, you, Bruce was like, in the Invaders, he's like, look, I'm pretty damn good. When Children of the Damned came, I was like, no, I'm way better. Way better. <laughs> like, this, the, so out of all the songs you listened to this so far, I mean, I mean, period. Like, out of all the Iron Maiden songs I've ever had, let me just rephrase that. This is probably my second favorite Iron Maiden song. Like, th- this, this song is fantastic. It's a great, great, great song. And one of my biggest regrets is I've seen Iron Maiden 10 times. There was a nine-year gap between number nine and 10 for me. That's how hmm. I went a long time between nine and 10 without was seeing Was that Iron purposely Maiden. or was the band not touring? No, no, no. They were touring. It was just I was just always doing other things. And it's like, oh, I've seen them a million times. But one of the tours that I missed out on, and it was really, it's I really kicked myself for it, was in, I want to say 2012, they did, um, they redid the Made in England uh, stage show, which was for their, basically they were redoing the 1987 somewhere, uh, doing a Seventh Son of a Seventh Son tour with the whole ice and it was a really cool stage show, but they were also doing a lot of the set that they did on that 87 tour. And they did, they did children of the damned and I didn't get to see it. That's one of the main songs I've never heard live. And I would have gotten to hear it if I would have went to that, uh, if I would have went (sighs) to that tour. Yeah. That always sucks finding out that something like you missed a song that like hardly ever gets played or something like that. You know, that's, Oh no, it's it's uh, my own fault because, because when the second maiden does, tour date number one the first thing i do is go on setlist fm and see what they're playing on the tour that's the first thing i do i wait up at night to see what to do uh all right maiden's playing in Reykjavik to uh to open up this tour let's see what they got let's see what they got going (laughs) that's awesome so they like post the setlist ahead of time well they post it after the first show Oh, and then it's going to be that show for the tour. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, because because okay. because Iron Maiden's not switching up their set list. They have a they have a whole uh, produ- stage production that goes along with these songs specifically. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I see. I I haven't really watched them live much, but you sent me a video earlier today that I watched, and there was all sorts of pyrotechnics happening. Like, you know. Yeah, when uh, you got pyros and monsters geared up for certain songs, you're not switching up. No, not at all. I would love to see something like that, though. That's awesome. I, I imagine that's, you know, that's probably like when we see Guar, you know, they have, whenever they're doing that tour, they have all their, their pieces put together. Yeah, Guar, yeah, Guar's not, Guar's not switching up anything for the tour. They're not. Yeah. They can't. They can't. No, they, they designed the entire they, set around it. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they literally have hired hands that have stage roles. Yeah, I mean, every time there was a new president, they killed them. I mean, I don't yeah. know how if they ever stopped that, but every time I've ever seen Guar, they always kill the president. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember. I remember seeing Guar and somebody getting like offended that they killed Obama, and I'm like, dude, they kill everyone. They killed Bill Clinton. They killed George W. Bush. I'm like, I'm like, Obama would be offended if they didn't kill Obama. Why'd you leave me out of the Guar show? Relax. They kill every president. (laughs) (laughs) But made made in but made in that way, like Guar is a complete, obviously in a different way. You right. know they're not they're not shooting the crowd with uh, with fake semen, but they sure. um, but it is a spectacle. Iron Maiden is an absolute spectacle that you need to see. My new my new tradition is that I have to bring some every Iron Maiden show I go to here on out. I have to bring somebody for the first time so I can live vicariously through them seeing Iron Maiden for the first time. I might have to figure out when this tour is going on. Like I, you know, for those of you who don't know, I just had a child, so it's going to be really hard for me to go to any kind of shows probably over the next year or so. But I know that they're touring, and Jesus Christ, I might have to figure out a way to get to this tour somehow. They are playing Newark, New Jersey, on my brother's birthday. And Patrick, if you are listening, I did get three floor seats for this show. I will be flying oh, yeah. up, so it's going to be me, you, Patrick, and we're going to find somebody to bring for the first time. <laughs> Nice, man. That's awesome. Yep, yep, well, yep. When is the show? What month is it going to be? Uh, for the October twenty. It's the, the the Newark show is October twenty first. Nice, nice. My brother's birthday. I was like, that's too perfect. I'm going up for yeah, my brother's I mean, birthday, and we're going to see Iron Maiden because awesome he's never had the. <clears throat> he's never had. He's never sat in good seats for Iron Maiden. He's always been lawn seat and cheap cheap seats for Iron Maiden. I've been lucky enough to see them in some amazing seats so this is going to be my gift to my brother we're going to go see iron maiden we're going to be right up in front so uh you said you had floor tickets are they seats on the floor or is it just like you know no, it's ga general it's ga general mission GA. that's the way you want to do it man <coughs> yes yeah, so i can't we'll imagine right seeing there. iron Maiden in a chair like can you imagine paying for front row seats and you're sitting in a chair for iron maiden <laughs> like, my second time seeing iron maiden was at a sold out madison square garden and I was sitting in seats on the floor. What? Yeah. Nobody was sitting though, right? Like, no, nobody was sitting. Nobody oh, okay. was sitting. Yeah, yeah. See, th- that was the crazy thing. I'll, I, I to go on because we are going on a side tangent now. Yeah, my uh, this happens at least once a show. So my 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 first time seeing Iron Maiden was one of my record store field trips. It was me and my boss and another dude who worked with us, this dude Kirk, and we saw Iron Maiden at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Which, if you know anything about the Hammerstein Ballroom, it's only about a, it's only a little bit bigger than the Electric Factory. Mm. That's, so seeing that's, Iron, that's pretty small. So seeing Iron Maiden there is crazy. Now the the thing that's big about it though is it does have opera capability, so the stage is very big, like it's a oh, huge cool. mega stage. So even though it's only thirty five hundred people capacity you have this giant stage and they brought out all the maiden gimmicks and you're just there in front of 3,500 people. <laughs> and it was the coolest, it was like the coolest metal experience of my life. Maiden like booked all these kind of like smallish, smallish theaters, not knowing how big they still were in America. And these all sold out like rapid fire. Two seconds. Yeah. So, so almost a year to the date, like it was within days, a year later, we're seeing them tour for brave new world. They have this new record out. And they are playing a sold-out Madison Square Garden, which sold out <laughs> in minutes. So it was like you really felt like that first that that show that when Bruce first came back in '99, you felt like something was there was something special going on in that building, and you knew Maiden was like back, and they were there to 
they were there to kick some ass. And the year later, I'm there with all my friends who I'd gotten over, gotten into Maiden over the last year. And we are just sold out Madison Square Garden seeing Iron Maiden with openers Queensryche and Rob Halford. That's never going to happen again. You know that that's never going to happen again. Never. Yeah. And I'm never going to see Maiden in front of 3,500 people again. That's not happening. Uh-uh. That's I mean, like, I'll give you, I saw Steve Harris's side project down here, which was kind of like at our version of the Electric Factory down here, Revolution Live. And it was like, yeah, I'll go see Steve Harris's band that I don't know any of their songs just because how many times am I going to get to see Steve Harris in such a small building? Right. Yeah, that's, no. You got to take advantage it was kind of, of like opportunities. We, we, we joked it was like Pokemon Go, but we were getting pictures of Steve Harris. <laughs> Look how close I am to Steve Harris. <laughs> That's freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah. So we were talking about how I missed out. We got started on that tangent because I missed out on hearing um, Children of the Damned live because I missed that tour. Right. Well, the next song is another song that I missed out on because they played it on that tour. And that, that is the, same the Prisoner. Oh, man. The Prisoner. I've never heard the prisoner live. There's another. I mean, these the, the, obviously this list is curated, so we got kind of like the best songs from both albums. But I mean, the prisoners. Well, this the, is why I think this the, album is so good, man. I mean, come on, dude. The prisoner. Then you got oh, the, the the next ones are obvious, right? Number of the Beast is after this. Run of the Hills is after that. Yeah, Those yeah. are the next ones we're going to. This this album is like amazing. Absolutely, it really amazing. is amazing. It's banger after banger after banger after banger. Uh, the prisoner. The, what I love about the prisoner is it kind of really shows Iron Maiden's love and having no qualms or embarrassment about just writing blatantly about pop culture. The prisoner was a very famous TV show in the nineteen in the seventies in England. Like oh, it was really? like a yeah, it was it was like it was almost kind of like uh, it was like basically it was this guy who was just abruptly arrested and brought and like sentenced to live in this like weird community and he was always trying to figure out who like arrested him and why he's here hmm. and that's what that clip in the beginning of the uh when he's uh information information oh, you yeah, are now yeah. number six and he says and they change his number all the time they keep giving him a different number <laughs> they, they remade it a few years ago with uh patrick stewart but it didn't take off but it was, it was like a really popular tv show and iron maiden has no problems just being like i mean the last song children of the damned they're like they write a song about the village of the damned and children of the damned like they're like okay we can do that and here we're just gonna write a song about a tv show you all know about i mean not in america but uh if it ever catches on if it ever gets a cult following like a doctor who everybody will you'll have prisoner um you know conventions but i can't believe this song is so good and it's based off a goddamn tv show (laughs) yeah 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 and it's awesome and it's awesome and it makes me makes you makes me want to sit down and watch the show now like i'm like man you know what maybe i'll sit down and binge that i'm sure it's on something this is another one written the first person perspective also oh yeah and i have a funny i have a funny story about this uh this song the opening of the song is a clip and it's also a lyric that is shouted out in the song when he says, I'm not a number, I'm a free man. Yeah. So let's fast forward, let's uh, rewind to the year 2000. In Iron Maiden terms, we're going fast forward. In our terms, we're going rewind right, uh, right. To, to, the, to the glorious year of 2000. I'm a senior in high school. Um, so when I lived in Jersey, I'm home visiting my friends in Pennsylvania. And 
we get some really cheap rum that nice. I can still I see like the. I can still see the bottle. It was called Seafarer, and I'm getting PTSD. Oh my god! It's like cheap this Captain label. Morgan's. Like, oh, cheap. like Captain Morgan's is already cheap, so this is like bottom barrel. No, 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 no. This, this is this is like Captain Morgan's like uh, stepson's stepson's brand. It is, this is the like worst. Pop for vodka. This is this is like Dex Sprayer Logan <laughs> rum. It was bad, dude. So we get wasted. And we're in a Wawa. And apparently I'm in... I don't... This is all stuff people have told me. I do not recall any of this. I am blackout For those guys who don't know on the West Coast or somewhere else, Wawa's are like 7-Elevens, but better. Way better. They're the the Cadillacs of of, (laughs) uh, 7-Elevens. I'm basically apparently having a dance party in the chip aisle. And I'm knocking over stuff. I am just knocking everything (laughs) over. And apparently there's a paramedic in the Wawa at this time. (laughs) He starts apparently giving me a sobriety test. And he's going to take me in. My friend, my best friend from kindergarten who is with us. You know, my best friend since kindergarten who is with us. His brother happens to be a cop in the area. And he asks him, hey, do you know Eddie so-and-so? And the guy goes... Yeah, he's a, he's a friend of mine. He goes, yeah, you're not gonna want to waste his time. John here is like a family friend. Um, you're not gonna. You're, you're, trust me, I'll take care of him. I'll walk him home. It'll be fine. And he goes, okay. I just need to. I need to be able to say that I released him. You were fine. What's his name again? And I look at the guy, and apparently I said, I'm not a number. I'm a free man. <laughs> and my buddy Kev had no idea what that was, and I didn't even find out about this until the next day he's like you told the paramedic you weren't a number you were a free man i'm like oh it's an iron maiden lyric <laughs> that's freaking awesome dude that's don't drink story. seafarer rum stick to captain morgan at, at the very least i mean that's that's the shit i drink and that's not even that good you know that's like the cheap man's rum like i mean obviously there's cheaper rum but <laughs> yeah captain's okay <laughs> it's all right it's all right Prisoner, great song. Go and listen to it. Now we have the like probably the most known Iron Maiden song. I would say like widely known Iron Maiden song, which is Number of the Beast, of course. Yes, um, total staple. Um, it's 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 weird. I usually have it. I usually have a complaint when a band has like songs that they that you know they're playing every single time it's annoying uh, you know that you know what is it are they going to end with it is that what they're going to end with at every show well no no they, they always end with iron the song iron maiden so you always get a okay. paul diana song you always get one because they always they always close with iron maiden because that's when they bring out you know their giant inflatable eddie or giant real eddie with flaming teeth and crazy <laughs> stuff basically during iron maiden you're getting crazy stuff my I remember the time I saw uh, they had Wicker Man version of Eddie during uh, Iron Maiden, and they sacrificed a virgins in the flaming Wicker Man Eddie, and it was just awesome. That's sick. But going back to Number of the Beast, I'd be upset if they didn't play. If I went to see Iron Maiden and they didn't play Number of the Beast, you know what? You got two songs I know you're playing. That's fine. That's cool. I'm okay with that. It's, it's a reason. It's probably the most popular song. It's a, it's a great song. Yeah, but it's so cool. It's still cool. Oh, and and sure. you know what? 
they have they have the best pyro during it. <laughs> There's so much fire. <laughs> There's so I, much fire during this song. I can imagine, and, man. And when you hear the opening, when you hear the opening, you know you're in for something cool. Just the oh to you, a worth and see. Yeah, you know, and then that guitar intro. Oh, yeah. To, to keep along with the theme, this is another one in, in first person perspective. Him being, you know, the the devil essentially. I'm, I'm coming back. I will return, and I'll possess your body, and I'll make you burn. I have the fire. I have the force. I have the power to make my evil take its course. Like that's so fucking awesome, man! Like, what great writing. Well, that's well, that's after he's being possessed. Because if you remember in the beginning of the song, he's talking about being a witness to all of it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, and this and this song obviously was very controversial. Lots of Christian groups wanted to ban Iron Maiden. But yeah, Number next, of the Beast is just such a cool song. It's pop. It's so pop culturally relevant. Like you've heard it in a lot of stuff. Now, <clears throat> here's one of these things though that I'm. Oh, uh, what's that thing called when you um you remember something, but then apparently it didn't exist. I know what you're talking about. I don't know what the term of it is. I can look it up real quick. Oh, the Mandela effect. Yeah, there you go. Uh, do you remember in like. Two or like early two thousands, like MySpace era, where Billy Corgan put out that solo record that nobody remembered. I mean, he sort of. I remember that he like left Smashing Pumpkins. I definitely, I clearly remember that because in high school there was like one guy who really, really, really like that was like clearly his favorite band, and I think he flew to like Chicago or somewhere, like wherever the hell their last their supposed last show was at that time. But I remember him doing solo stuff and like nobody seemed to care. So I never even listened to it. But oh, okay, okay. Well, apparently, um, I canceled the Mandela effect. My phone just told me that my memory isn't crazy, and this did actually happen. Oh, uh, okay. so, 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 so he did put out that album that nobody remembers. But around that time, he also did, and I can't. The reason I was like, here's why I was like, it, it, I was thinking Mandela effect. Around that same time. He, for some like crappy movie soundtrack, did an acoustic cover of Number of the Beast. And I remembered what? that this existed. And then the other night I went trying to find it and I couldn't <gasps> find it anywhere. Uh. And now, now Google is telling me that it did exist for the movie Spun. I've seen that movie. That was a, that was a pretty good movie, man. That wasn't bad. I don't remember it, but Billy Corgan did an acoustic cover of Number of the Beast for it. I mean, these guys were just doing speed. It was all about like, you know, the, they had like a lot of like special effects and stuff to try to make, you know, oh, this person's on speed. You know, this this is how you would feel. And like, you know. But, but bottom line is, I like acoustic renditions of songs. I don't want an acoustic rendition of Number of the Beast. No. If anything, I want more fire and more guitars. <laughs> yeah, dude, that should not be an acoustic version of that song. Not at all. I mean, that's don't give me Iron Maiden. I don't want to see Iron Maiden on Unplugged. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I mean, I think most metal would sound weird unplugged. Some of it might be able to be pulled off, but like, I, I, it's not what you're there for. It's not what you're there for. Though I have to say, Queensryche did an awesome MTV unplugged. I will really? give that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they even do, and they even do some of the uh, older, harder stuff acoustic, and it's good. Like I'm like, all right, I like it. I'm down. I wonder if that's on Spotify or anything. I'd be interested in hearing that. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's on YouTube because I've 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 definitely gone late night metal rabbit holes, and I'm like, oh, Queen's Right Unplugged, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Number of the Beast, 
what what I love about it is it nails down the maiden necessity of the sing-along chorus. Okay. Crowd participation is um, is is just awesome with Maiden. I can see that. I can definitely see that. Yeah, Number <coughs> of the Beast. It's up there. It's a great song. But I mean, this next song is my favorite Iron Maiden song. I mean, it's just unbelievably good. Like this was so. Uh, my first experience really listening to Iron Maiden because for whatever reason I wasn't into them. I listened to like Metallica, like I said, and Megadeth and stuff. But I just never listened to Iron Maiden. The first time I remember really like hearing a song and like being like, oh, this is Iron Maiden was uh, on Rock Band or Guitar Hero. It was one of those. And Run to the Hills came on. I was like, oh, my God, this is so good. I couldn't get uh, out of it. This is the, probably the best song on this entire like game. Like, this is unbelievable. And then even today, I still feel the same exact way. Like, it's still like my favorite Maiden song. It's so amazing. I mean, it wouldn't be my favorite Maiden song. Kind of a song I've heard a million times. Almost a throwaway. But but here's what I will say. I can understand somebody hearing it for the first time. Like most Maiden songs, actually. If you hear, that's your first thing that you hear. You're like, whoa, this is like something that they really, really, really hits on Run to the Hills is the galloping effect that Maiden yes, does the better than the anybody. Drums, dude. The drums with the bass. That drums with that bass combined, like you feel like you are on that horse running away. Like that's just how it is. You're running to the hills on that horse. Genius. Genius. I can't put it any other way. Yeah, and I even have that in my notes. The galloping, gal- galloping bass and drums. Like Yeah, that's that was in my notes too. Like I think musically this is one of their best songs for for without without a doubt. I mean, it's so good. It, it's awesome. It, it, it's awesome. And like I said, it's a throwaway song for me, but that's only because I've heard it a million times. And it's one of those songs I've... They don't play it live every time, but they play it live almost every time. So it's like, I'm like, okay, I, I would like it if you would have switched it out for Children of the Damned. <laughs> but that's just me nitpicking, and it is a great song. And the crowd goes nuts for it. And yeah, and like I yeah. said, that that galloping, that galloping effect. If, if you've never listened to Maiden... The fast, the fast pick me up maiden songs, you do feel like you're riding a horse when you listen to them. And Run of the Hills nails it. So I, I like horror stuff, but like when it's real life, it hits you in a different way. And obviously he's talking about, you know, Native Americans being slaughtered. Obviously, when Americans came well, before Americans came over, we were slaughtering Native Americans and the first settlers and stuff. That's really what the song's about. And it's like, you know, it's harsh to hear, but it's it's like a true a true reality. So that's why I like the song lyrically a lot, but I mean musically, I think it's fantastic. Run the Hills, though, yeah, classic, classic song, yeah, and that definitely was on. Uh, I think that might have been the first Guitar Hero. I don't know which one it was, but I remember it was the first time I like heard Iron Man. I was like, oh my god, like shit, this is great, man. Say, so, and that was what I loved yeah. about those games. They really exposed me to like other. Not that I wasn't listening to metal, but I just for whatever reason, I just never listened to Maiden. No, those those songs. I was always I was always pleasantly surprised with those playlists because like those. I mean, let's be real. With those games, you think that you're going to run into trouble with just it just being like crappy music that you have no interest in, but you like the gameplay, right? But it's like, oh no, they got stuff for my musical nerd. You know, they got the music stuff for the musical nerd in me. They got uh, they got my metal tracks. There's Stone Roses songs on here. Like, okay, cool. We're we're good. We're good. 
And they were all good at that. And I feel like a lot of people were turned on this, probably some pretty good music through those games. Absolutely. 100%. So, yeah, for the, for the next song in this record, though, that we're going to talk about, to me, it is something that uh, we're talking about staples of Iron Maiden. This is another staple is where they just really nail the album closer. Same way they kill it with an opener. They destroy it with closers. And I think, I think how will be that name might be like the definitive heavy metal album closer. Yeah. I mean, this song is, I, I, this is why I love this album so much. I, every song, like you said, is like a banger, even though it's, it's obviously probably the most popular mainstream album. But this song, again, just sticks with the theme of like death, dying, war, all that sort of stuff. Uh, this is about a prisoner's last day as he approaches his death sentence, essentially. Dude, the, the, I mean, just the line of just hearing when he just says gallows pole, like you're like, ooh, <laughs> like, yeah, like they, they really put you in the shoes of this person. Without a doubt. I mean, this is this is another great Halloween theme song. Another another one of the lyrics is life down here is just a strange illusion, which is like, you know, awesome to think about <laughs> if you're, you know, <laughs> Do, th- Anybody, there, a there's a lot of deep lyrics in this song. This is a very deep song. And even the lyrics aside, the music is so damn deep. The guitar work on this is just something that is beautiful. Yeah, it certainly is. The relationship between between uh, Adrian Smith and, and Dave Murray is just like really comes to its own in the uh, in this in this uh, song to be. Yeah, the We're lyrics stand out clinic. without a doubt. I mean, musically, it's fantastic. This is all around. I feel like I'm saying this every song. I feel like I'm just keep repeating myself. This is like one of the best songs they have, but it, it's true. I love when Bruce. It's, it almost feels like Bruce is freestyling. fuck my word (laughs) it's just like he's going for it man and there's there's a lot of changes in this song it starts off really slow obviously it kicks in then it has that slow dirge and then obviously the end oh my god like I'm hearing it in my head right now, and it's glorious. <laughs> it's like those changes you're going to see a lot too in the next the next album we talk about, which is their newest album. They have a lot of like you know faster pacing, then slows down, and then it gets faster again. You know that that stuff's awesome. Well, that's the great thing when we do talk about the next one. It goes back to it. It all comes back to songs like "How Will It Be the Name." Iron Maiden really mastered the epic, and I don't think anybody before or since has done the epic as well as Iron Maiden. Lots have tried. Lots have done some really, really, really awesome epics. None have topped Maiden, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, once we get into Senjutsu, I mean, that whole album feels like just epic after epic. It doesn't feel like, you know, quite like... Yeah, it really is. They have, I mean, they have a ton of, I mean, ton of epics. I mean, my favorite Iron Maiden epic is the one that most fans would probably say is the best Iron Maiden epic, which would be Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner off of off of Power Slave. But the first one and pro and kind of the most famous to the to the mainstream would be How Will It Be Thy Name. That was the first real popular Maiden epic. That was the first one that I was introduced to. That that song was 
the song that you sent me earlier, which was uh, you just said the name of it a moment ago, but it's the first time I heard it. The um, Rhyme uh, of the Ancient Mariner. Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner is fantastic. Also, like there's so many changeups in that song. It like it's fast and then slow and then like really slow and then like fast. Like it's awesome, dude. You're on like a roller coaster the entire time. Well, it was it was it was, it was cool because it was almost like they were like, all right, we have eight minutes and how would be thy name. We took it up to nine for Revelations on the next record. You know what we're going to do with uh, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner? We're going to go 13 minutes and 30. <laughs> and it's just the best. I'm glad, you know, because honestly, talk, you know, we just discussed How Would Be the Name. We'll finish up by saying How Would Be the Name is absolute, definitive, essential maiden. To me, it, it defines the how an album closure should be. That is how you close out a record. You kick them in the ass and then you leave them wanting more. That is how it would be thy name. Yeah, and 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 Bruce Dickinson's voice on this is one of the best, I would say, in my opinion, that like that I've heard so far of Iron Maiden. Obviously, I haven't listened to all of their songs, but I think this is certainly up there. Oh, this is this is this is definitely top tier Bruce Dickinson vocal performance. His vocal performance is amazing. Another song they play a ton, and you know what? I don't get tired of it. Like they have you know what? Uh, that's how it should be. I should, you know, I should say, you know, Maiden, just take two out of the songs that you play a lot. Don't play all six of them. <laughs> I think that's a fair. fair it's a fair rule. Pick, you gotta go to three shows to hear the six majors. <laughs> yeah, because we already know. We know for a fact we're getting Iron Maiden, and I don't want you to ever take Iron Maiden now because that's a huge part of the stage show. I need to see the Giant Eddie. But um, yeah, you have like you have, but then you have like five other songs that you play a lot just uh take two of them on each tour pick and choose yeah. switch them up each tour and it keeps it fresh how will be my name should be in heavy rotation because it is just it's honestly a masterpiece it's actually i would use that term to describe this song i would say masterpiece i mean it's again i love i like one of the hills more like one of the hills is probably i know i said the other song is number two but this might be my number two <laughs> song the other song would be number three now this is the hard part with Maiden, dude. There's shit's so good. It's like, oh, this is well, this is my well, favorite Maiden song. You're like, ah, oh, well, maybe this other one might be. Well, it's funny. Well, it's funny because now, because like I was saying, the reason I was, I, I thought it was, I thought it was appropriate to talk about "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner," even though it's not in our notes. It wasn't a song we were going to discuss. It's a good, it's a good segue because that is Maiden. That is epic Iron Maiden. That is epic Iron Maiden. That was them taking the epic to the next level. And it was funny that you were saying with the, um, oh, I say this with every Iron Maiden song. This might be the best one. This might be the best one. <laughs> the reaction video I sent you of that guy who normally reviews hip hop. And he's yeah. like, he says this on his Iron Maiden reaction videos are amazing because he'll go, I think this might be my favorite Iron Maiden song. Oh, but I said that about the last one. And he says it. He's like, like he gets it. Like he just gets it. Like he gets the simple nature of how easy it is to just get Iron Maiden. Yes. They're playing crazy technical, technical, technically sound in their instruments. Yes. There's their writing is complex, but just listening and understanding the concept of Iron Maiden is very easy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't and take... Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner is one of those jams, dude. It it just it switches like six times in that. I song. know. I, I, I was watching the video you sent it to me this morning. Like you gotta watch this before the show. I was like, 
I was like barely awake. I was like, I'll watch this while I like make breakfast. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like, what a way to make breakfast, dude. I'm fucking like, yeah. <laughs> listen to that, like an epic heavy metal song while I'm making fucking No, it's the best. And shit. It's the, I'll, 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 I, and, and I'll even do this. And I've been doing this at work since I've been 16. I'll look at the clock. It'll be like 12 minutes to go. I'm like, oh, all right. Less than, less than, uh, less time to go than uh, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. <laughs> All right. And another thing is Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner is easily the topic the the poem it's based on by Samuel Taylor Coleridge is easily the most clued Jeopardy topic of anything. There, really? More than John F. Kennedy. More than John F. Kennedy. I will see three times a week. I'll be like, oh, what is Rhyme the Ancient Mariner? Or what is Samuel Teller Coleridge? What is the Albatross? Because, and it's and these are all things I... I mean, I know that poem like the back of my hand. I've read it. It's a long, long, long epic. Many, many, many pages. And the reason I've, I know it so well, because of this song by Iron Maiden. <laughs> That's sick. I had no idea. I'll have to go check that poem out now. Yeah, it's awesome. That's where the uh, line "water, water everywhere, but not an ounce to drink" comes from. Yeah, that's a great it's line. Being, it's, it's being stuck. It's being stuck in sea because that was in the and the and you know the term an albatross, like an albatross wrapped around your neck. Comes yeah, from that uh, po- comes from that poem. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's yeah. crazy. Lots of pop culture. Iron Maiden's all over the pop culture, even if it's from the uh, even if it's from poems from uh, earlier centuries. Yeah, they they definitely. You know, they write a lot of songs about like history and different things. So you can see that they're, you know, educated. They're not, they are not the dummy band just writing some random ass shit. Oh no. My senior year, my senior year, um, history teacher. Doubt you're listening, uh, Miss Parks, but, uh, she was awesome. She was, she was the teacher we all found attractive too, but she liked Iron Maiden because of their love of, of literature. <laughs> like, like, like this is true. We were That's reading so awesome. Brave New World. <laughs> we were reading Brave New World in school when Iron Maiden's album Brave New World dropped senior year of high school. And the artwork is all done, like, based on the book. There's the song that's based on the book. And, like, I brought it in and she went wild over it, played it for the class. Like, it was awesome. Dude, that's so sick. That's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> she even she even she even she even wrote at my senior in my yearbook inscription, you know, John, best wishes in your future in everything in the future. It was a pleasure having you in my class. And then at the bottom wrote up the irons. <laughs> Coolest so yearbook awesome. inscription of all time. Far fucking <laughs> none. Up the irons, Miss Parks. Up the irons is right. Badass man, but yeah, but like, but like, like we were saying though, the epic, and that that's the segue to this to this record, this newest record. I mean, when you think about it, Iron Maiden, Number of the Beast, the record we just discussed, came out last month. Was the fortieth anniversary of uh, Iron Maiden's Number of the Beast? So the record we just discussed, Number of the Beast, and then we got off a little side on on the sidetrack there. But the album Number of the Beast last year, last month actually last month, celebrated its 40th birthday. It's 40 years of Number of the Beast. So you fast forward, and just about 40 years later, uh, it's been out, it's been out almost a year, I guess, uh, Sinjutsu. This album has received mixed reactions from fans. 
Um, I'm pretty sure you and I both love it. Am I right? I mean, I'm an outsider sort of peeking into Iron Maiden, really. Like, but yes, I mean, th- I this I was like Iron Maiden has a new album. I was like, I like some Iron Maiden. Let me listen to them. And I was like listening to this. Like, this is amazing. This is so freaking good. It. See, here here's the, here's the thing. Uh, and my and my brother and his friends, they're see. Here's the thing with Iron Maiden too. Iron Maiden is one of these older bands that constantly finds new generations of listeners, almost better than anybody else. Like you, you don't see Iron Maiden's crowds uh, get smaller. If anything, they get bigger, which is insane for a band that's been around as long as they have. Haven't had any major major uh, radio hits, but they're constantly selling out arenas and state and 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 overseas soccer stadiums all over the world. But here, they're an arena band. They're an arena band here. They're not playing your amphitheaters. They're playing your arenas. Yeah. Um. They find a new crowd. Every, they get a new generation of crowd. Like every show I go to, it's not like the maiden crowds looking old, looking rough. No, there's there's younger kids there, and it's like, yep, new generation found maiden. So my brother and his friends, they all love this record too. It's mostly the older crowd that I've noticed that are not really clinging to Senjutsu. And I, I, I kind of get that because it's not like, I wouldn't necessarily say it's like their heaviest album, but it's, it's certainly filled with epics. And if you don't like their epics, or if you're not that crazy about them, you're probably not going to like this album. Yeah, was, see, that was always a Christmas wish of mine, was getting the Iron Maiden record that was just going to be like... Um, yeah, it's going to be a double LP consisting entirely of songs that sound like uh, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner and uh, <laughs> and How It Be That Name. Like, That's oh, I'm in. That's what you got, yeah. man. That's the whole album for the yeah. most part. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, it's just, it's epics. It's epic after epic after epic after epic. I think there's one song that comes in under seven minutes on this record. And that's awesome. To me, that's, that is That's the fast awesome. song. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. And to me, that is awesome awesome because it's it's what i that's what i want out of my maiden yeah it's ironic i want my punk my yeah i like my 40 second punk songs and i like my 20 minute maiden epics <laughs> amen i'm right there with you man like kid we both talk about our love for kid dynamite and they're they're you know they're short songs their second album is called shorter faster louder and it's phenomenal like absolutely phenomenal and then i also love 15 minute songs that are like just you know all over the place exactly and that's what this album is it's funny that you mentioned that it's not their it's not their heaviest work my friend sammy said and he said it perfectly he goes i think this is the first he's like i really like this record it's the first time where i'm like i'm gonna chill out and listen to some maiden (laughs) (laughs) dude that's a good way to put it i i love listening to this record in the shower i'm like relaxing in there and like rocking out to some fucking maiden dude that's a great way of putting it the first song is self-titled it's senjutsu and it's all about you know, again, war, which is a common theme. And I'm not sure what dynasty he was talking about. I actually went down a rabbit hole. I'm not going to lie. Probably like an hour trying to figure it out. There was multiple Chinese dynasties, uh, multiple, like there was actually a few different times Japan was trying to take over uh, the Great Wall of China, which I think is what he was talking about. But I don't, I still don't know which dynasty this was, but clearly it was a fight and it was along the Great Wall of China. That's all I can tell you guys for sure. Do you know which, which dynasty this was? No, I don't. And I, and I, and I am almost, and I, no, cause you know what? Usually when Maiden does war, it's usually something I'm a little more familiar with. Um, you know, obviously the troopers, uh, revolutionary war stuff. The Klansmen is, uh, Scottish independence. 
that kind of stuff. Like they're usually right. doing stuff that I have a familiarity with as far as like, and, 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 and I wish I had more because there is a rich history, obviously in your Japanese and your Chinese dynasties. Yeah, there's, there's, there. Like I said, there was multiple times Japan tried to take over the Great Wall of China, which is really confusing to me because the 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 name Senjutsu should be Japanese. So you would think if they're starting out this, the album, right, they're going to talk about Japan in some way, but they're talking about the Great Wall of China. So I was like, all right, well, clearly this is about Japan fighting, you know, with you know Mongols or whoever was at the Great Wall of China during that time. And there was multiple times. So I was like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and like go any further. After an hour, an hour no, of not, research, I, I don't, I don't, I do, but but I, but I love, but I love the, I love, I love how the sound mimics what they're, what they're, uh, what they're singing about. It definitely sure. has, it definitely has a, um, a Asian metal sound to it. They do great jobs with making their music go along with whatever the lyrics are being sung. Just like with Run of the Hills, with the, like the galloping of the horses. Like I agree with you that this music goes along perfectly with you know a battle over the like, the great wall of china yeah and uh and i also have here even though that wouldn't technically go along with um with uh asian asian uh fair but i have this is the ren fair maiden record <laughs> it's kind of like a renaissance fair with this man i love it i love it it sounds like stuff i heard like with the synth, with the synth work, which is ironic because you wouldn't have synth at a Renaissance fair. But like, but the, <laughs> like, it, it's almost like it, it's almost like the the uh, the synth is like mimicking a lute. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. And the and the other thing that I picked up on on this record that I love, it's another one of my dreams for Iron Maiden. They stopped using a lot of synth after uh, Somewhere in Time. They didn't use a lot of synth before Somewhere in Time. Somewhere in time, they used a lot of synth. I should say after uh, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, they kind of cut out the, the synth. There's a ton of synth on this record, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's used very appropriately. It's not like, you know, back in the 80s. Like not, I'm not saying this was made, and I'm just saying in general, like synth was like an almost overly used in, in many times, but this felt like used just enough. It wasn't too, you know, it was subtle. It feels like it's an instrument. Right. It, it was not like destroy. It didn't, it still sounded like Iron Maiden, you know, it wasn't like too overly produced. Exactly. It, it, they, they did use it. Like I said, it feels, it just feels like another instrument. And yeah, it's, it's, it definitely, it definitely is a, it's definitely a solid, it's definitely a solid opener. And it basically does set you up for the theme of this record, which is going to be, Hey, this is Iron Maiden singing about like, my God, they really do know their history because they're singing about stuff. I would never have thought about. They want you to crack books and they want you to hang around for a while. Cause this record is long, but it's great, man. It's so good. It's so, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't I like, there's told, no complaints. You were I, like, cause I, again, I'm not the biggest Iron Maiden fan. When you were telling me like, like a lot of their, their fan base doesn't like half the fan base doesn't like the album. I'm like what the fuck are you talking Like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Like, this is so good. I don't even understand. People like the Iron Maiden epics, but they also want that, that five minute, gout that uh that that fast in your face trooper you know i like that you know, too but you need to expand or... your horizons man you can't just yeah, listen to yeah. like the, the thrashy stuff man you got to listen to everything and figure out what's good sure and, and and if they did this again on the next record then i'd be like okay are we doing this twice in a row but i love it as a yo we're giving you that record of all epics i love it 
It's fantastic. It would, it would be one thing. It would it would be a complaint if it was like they had done it three records in a row. <laughs> and then it would be like, all right, Maiden, where's my run to the hills? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, the similar thing, not to go on a tangent, I'll be very brief. When Green Day put out what I would consider like, I guess, like a punk rock epic or whatever. How would you title the, you know, American Idiot? What would you say? A ballad? A punk rock ballad? What would you call that? Um, I would say, I would say it's, I would say it's a rock opera. Okay. Well, their next album sounded just like that. And then, and it was actually decent. It was a good follow-up, but it sounded a lot like their, you know, American Idiot. And then they put out an album after that and it sounded nothing like it at all. Like, I guess people did not like that second coming of American Idiot. You don't, you, you don't, if you, you don't, if you're going to do something, if you're going to think out the box, you're going to think way outside the box for something. You don't think way outside the box twice in a row. You think out what you think it way outside the box once, then you kind of drift back to the uh, the more of the old formula. And then if you want to think out the outside of the box again, cool. But you don't do it. You got to especially especially now. Like it's it's one thing when um, when people used to put out two records a year. That's insane to think about that people used to do that. That's not uh, now. You have what now? Now if a band's really ambitious. They put out an album like every two years. Maiden's like every four or five. So they got to take that into consideration when they, when they make a, you know, you make a record. It's like, I love Sinjutsu. I don't want Sinjutsu 2. Okay. I mean, I would want Sinjutsu 2, but not, maybe not their next record. Maybe, maybe in like eight to 10 years from now, they're like, Hey, we're doing this again. Like, all, all right, man, let's do it again. You know, like two jutsu. <laughs> I'd be in, man. I'd be in. man. Yeah, ten years, ten years. I mean, uh, uh, Bruce Dickinson has already said they're never going to retire. They're gonna, they're gonna die making records. I'm like, all right, dude, awesome. cool, <laughs> good for you. And and that, and you know what? That's the been the beautiful thing about Bruce Dickinson coming to back to the band in '99. Most bands, when they do that kind of thing, it's a nostalgia act. We're going to go out there. We're going to play the greatest hits. We're going to do that. And you know what? We're going to make some money. We're going to play. We're going to play the amphitheaters. Okay, fine. You know what? David Lee Roth going back to Van Halen was basically that. We're going to play all the stuff we played with David Lee Roth. You know, maybe they'll put out something new, but no one cared. Like, I did. I did really like that. I did really. I did really like that new record, though. So I. But I do know what you're saying. But I. (laughs) In general. But yes, the the motivation. The motivation. The motivation behind it. Whereas, whereas Maiden. A year from the reunion, they are there with a promoting a critically acclaimed record and playing a heavy margin of new songs on that tour. Because it was just like, hey, no, we're not here to be a nostalgia act. You know what? Every every couple summers, we'll come around and we'll give you the greatest hits tour. And if that's all you want, you come out to that. But do not come when we're touring for a record and complain that we're playing the new stuff. Because... Hey, we just put out a damn new record, an awesome one, and you're going to hear a lot of it if you want to come. If you don't want to come, don't come. But you know what? People still line up in droves because Maiden's that awesome. Not to repeat myself from a previous podcast, if you guys have been listening along with us, but I do have a major problem with that with a new record. Like I do, I do expect to hear the new record, but you have a three to possibly four song limit off that new record. I should not hear seventy five percent of your new record when you're touring. Like it just disagree completely. Really, 
Oh yeah, especially especially if it's a band like Iron Maiden who does tour all the time, so they do I, give you those greatest hits tours. They can, give you I can those get greatest that hits with tours. Iron Maiden, like I, I understand that if they're putting out records all the time, but like, oh, man, like really, dude. Like, see, 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 see. I'll, 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 I'll a little, little side thing here. In two thousand and six, Iron Maiden put out an album called A Matter of Life and Death. It was a concept album. It was a concept album. They played it start to finish, and it was awesome. It was cool as hell. And then, of course, there's people, oh, they only played four old songs for the encore. Burr, burr, burr. I'm like, well, you should have saw them last summer when they came around and played every every dog and pony show song you wanted to hear. They were touring for a concept album. Could you imagine going to see Pink Floyd on the wall tour, and they didn't play the wall in its entirety, and they only <laughs> played old songs? No. They... You you would be the loser complaining. I do get that to an extent, but I think like you should set that expectation on the tour, and you should be understanding that going forward. Like I I bought tickets to uh, a thrice show right before the pandemic, and they were playing all of one album, and it was my it's like my second favorite thrice album. So I walked in there knowing exactly what to expect, you know, I, and it was fucking great. Here's the thing: in the year twenty twenty two. I was about to say 2021. Actually, I was about to say 2020. And then I was like, oh my God, it's 2021. Then I'm like, no, it's 2022. <laughs> in this year, and where you're at now, there is no reason for you to go to a show and complain about what they played because you have every opportunity to know, have an idea of what a band is playing on this tour. I Takes mean, three you, seconds. You should know, honestly. That That is a good point. Yeah, you should definitely know. But Social... Social media told you Neil Young played nothing but new stuff last night. That's your fault. You bought a ticket. <laughs> I agree with that to some extent, but I mean, I just feel like it's egregious. Like if you have a 10 song album and you play seven out of those 10 songs, if it's not like a concept album, which is totally different, you know, I'm just a regular album. I'm like, well, what, what are you doing? You're playing seven, you know, the song let's, let's, let me give you some extra context. I know we're getting really down a deep rabbit hole. Let's say the album came out a week ago and you see them on their first tour date. You've had one one week to listen to that album and even understand what the hell they're talking about. And then you see them and they okay, play well, seven songs off of it out of ten. All right. Well, all right. Well, you know, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll but like, I can't imagine going to see, I'm trying to think of like a, um, a band with like a legendary, like, could you, could you imagine like going to see like some band that, on a tour that of an album that turns out to be like this legendary album that people talk about for the next like 50 years. And you're like, Oh yeah. But when I went to see them, they only played three songs off of it because everybody wanted to hear the old stuff. I can understand that. I can. Artists don't owe you anything. (laughs) Artists do not owe you anything. I'm not saying that they do. I'm just saying, I think it's weird to play 75% of a new album that people might not be familiar with. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm going to tell you, Matt? You know what I'm <laughs> going to tell you, Matt? Don't be a Jimmy Buffett fan. Oh. Because that's 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 the that's a Jimmy Buffett oh. fan mentality. Now. <laughs> I think that was the biggest insult of my life. Jesus Christ. Uh, yes, oh, that's why. Because I know you. And I know, I know oh. you. And I know how I would react to hearing such a thing. Oh. I need another drink. But Holy you know shit. what I mean? You know what I mean? An artist is not there. They're not a I'm clown. I'm not going to tell anybody what to play. I'm, ne- I'm not going to tell you what to play. I'm just saying I shouldn't expect to hear 75% new album if it's like a week old. 
Like that's just my personal opinion. I, 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 you know what, you know what, you know what it is for me. I only complain about hearing the new stuff if the new stuff sucks. Because <laughs> that does happen. Because that does happen. And you one day we will again. talk about Weezer. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, could you imagine like going to see a band that you really, really dig the old stuff? And it's in that point where you're just like, you know what? I'll go. I like their first seven out. Al- because sometimes there's those bands that have like a That's whole- That's Weezer. Of- I love like their first seven fucking albums, dude. And then like- I don't even, 2008 happened and I was like, what the fuck is this? And you've never been the same, man. Uh, that's the thing. Okay, you know what? That's how I'll shape it. And I think, this, I think this is a pretty fair. If a band is good enough to have the confidence to play new stuff, I'm fine with it. The new Maiden record, you, you hear, and here's another reason why I'm going to want to hear a lot of new, a lot of, oh, the new here's Maiden's the thing I kind of stink. It's great. But, but here's what stinks. On this tour that they're doing now, there's there's probably going to be zero songs from this record. Well, that's bullshit. This is because their first tour because it was came out during the pandemic. Isn't this like the first tour on this? Yeah, album? but they're but they're they're no, but the tour is all dates that they're. It's from the Legacy of the Beast tour, which was which was put off during the the pandemic. I think they might revise it and try to add a song or two from this record. But I mean, that's my point. That's and that's what stinks too. Like. When I saw them on the Brave New World tour, they played six songs off Brave New World. And I think they played uh, a total of uh, 17 songs. So about a third of the about a third of this show was uh, was was new was new stuff. But that's them setting the their expectation songs... correctly for their audience by naming the tour that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But here's the thing. There was people, they played too much new stuff. There is songs they played from that record on that tour. I'll never get to hear again. And I'm so happy that I saw them on that tour because I saw that song live. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's true. You got to see a band a bunch of times if you want to see, you know, even close to most of the discography. Yeah. Like I said, like, yeah. So it's like cool when I go see Maiden tour for a record. Cause it's like, yo, I want to hear that song live because I don't know if it'll, it'll stick around in the, uh, in the live uh, rotation. One song that is going to stick around. I guarantee it. It'll be in their, their, maybe not on this tour, but definitely on their next tour for sure. This is probably the bigger hit from this album, and that's writing on the wall, which is fantastic. Oh. This, we, we we all let well, let's let's be real. We all had a miserable time during um, COVID and quarantine. I mean, some of it was great though. Some of it was great because you know what? Sometimes you'd be sitting at home, just hanging out, not doing anything, and then you get an alert. Iron Maiden is debuting a new video tomorrow. And oh my God, I have something to look forward to. I have the new Maiden video in 23 hours. I can't sleep. It's Christmas Eve. And that was the writing on the wall. That was the first thing that dropped from this record. Um, and it was a video. And I did. I, 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 I made sure that I was on my computer when that video, when that video uh, dropped. Or I had it on the YouTube feed on my TV. Yeah, here, here's some of the notes that I wrote about the song. We are obsessed as a culture with war and violence and destined to repeat our mistakes of our past. Empires will fall and all that will be left is death. That's what I took away from this album. Or from this song, I'm sorry. Did you check out the video? No. Oh, because this video is incredible. It's all done in the uh, theme of uh, that old anime, Heavy Metal. Remember Heavy oh, really? Metal? I know exactly what you're talking about. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's done. It's done. It's like a, a tribute to heavy metal. Even more, almost as good as the South Park tribute to heavy metal. It's <laughs> awesome. Park. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the thing that I, what, what I really dug about this song was that it, while it does definitely fit in, in tone with the rest of the record, it almost has like a Western feel to it too. Like, mm. I find it strange that a song that, you know, that this, there's this British heavy metal band making this long epic song where the themes almost feel like Asian and American. This is a one lyric I take from it that this is really definitely from an American's perspective. But I think with this being said, America is sort of the culture of the world. Like if you go to a lot of Asian countries, especially like places like China, they're very influenced by American culture. And the, oh, I was talking about sound. I was talking about oh, sound. sound. I was sorry. talking about the instrumentation. I'm talking about the instrumentation. Like this sounds like like lyrics. that sounds like a, that, that sounds like an American rock band playing 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 it. It does not sound like a British heavy metal band. In the in the intro and in that in, yeah, you, you know what it really reminded me of. It reminded me of something that would like pop up in like one of the scenes that take place in America in Kill Bill. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that does sound like that. That's a great movie. Yeah, it, yeah, and, and that's what I'm like, and that's what I thought was really cool about this song, and it just shows you how like Maiden can kind of do anything. Like you can you can listen to any Iron Maiden song and know it's Iron Maiden, but they have so many different sounds. Yeah, I mean, the song is just fantastic. You guys need to go and listen to it. I, I would actually recommend you know reading the lyrics just in general if you're not gonna you know listen to well you're gonna listen to the album, but. You should read the lyrics to get a better understanding of it. And like one of the, one of the best lyrics in the entire thing is just you know he's just talking about what the world is like today, and it says the earthquake is is a coming, but you don't want to hear. You're just too blind to see. It's like everybody you know it's like a fucking ostrich right now with their goddamn head in the sand, and just the entire world, not just America, the entire world has their head up its ass. Why everything is falling apart around it? What I really dig about it, I mean, yeah, the, the themes are it's yeah it is we're, we're that, that's what we are we're, we're 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 obsessed and we have our head in the sand we basically have our head in sand about almost everything and don't notice shit no we're all obsessed with our tiny there on the little lives and it, it, it's so obvious to everybody that's that is paying attention but we're so obsessed with our tiny little lives that the bigger picture doesn't matter and the writing's on the wall man <laughs> but you should <laughs> definitely check out this video too this video is bonkers I'm gonna have to, man. That's that. I mean, I haven't wa- I haven't watched heavy metal in a long. Like, I was like, I think in middle school or like early high school when I watched heavy metal. And I think half that shit like went over my head. But now they were doing like cocaine and all sorts of crazy ass shit, and like I don't know, it was a trippy ass movie. But uh, yeah, this yeah this this video is this video is definitely 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 rad. Yeah, I um yeah I love this song. It was the first song I heard off the record. Love the guitar work. The guitar, like I said, it's it's really it's interesting guitar work that I don't. It, it doesn't sound like any other Iron Maiden song. It does sound pretty standoutish, you know. Maybe maybe like you, you can tell it's Iron like Maiden, a, like, like American like inspired sound. Yeah, it really does. But you can tell it's Iron Maiden. It's it's it, it, it's it's weird that they can do that. It is bizarre. The next one we have up is Days of Future Past. What do you think about the song? Let me get your perspective on this first. To me, this is one of the ones that more sounds like, um, you know definitive maiden it uh 
It has Adrian Smith, like, just being riff master. There he is. The riffage on this song goes back to, it sounds, it sounds more like, like more like your classic Maiden. I'm sure if you uh, played this record for the people that, like, bitched and moaned about this record, <laughs> this is one of the songs, this is one of the songs they would really like. It has that, um, it has that, uh, where I always used to joke that Iron Maiden was a hardcore band and didn't know it. This has that feel to it because it has that like hardcore two step to it. You could totally get, you could definitely do a two step and a pit to this song, and it has the hardcore sing along with it. Yeah, this this to me is like, um, it sounds like 1980s Maiden in, in 2022. It certainly rocks. I, I think this song rocks a little bit harder than most of the songs on this album for sure. But again, like the, I think the lyrics are like excellent. This is this is probably like, so. This song it, to me again is about according to religion, everybody is flawed through sin. But the song is really asking the question, why would God put us on this path to fail? Like, if he knew we were going to fail. I'm not a religious person, but that doesn't take away from the question. Whether you believe, like, like, let's say you did believe in God. Why would he put you on this path to fail? See, that's the thing. I'm not religious at all. And that's... (laughs) That's, that was actually one of the questions. That's one of the questions that like got me in trouble. <laughs> questions like that are what got me in trouble. Like, like I'm like, doesn't it just kind of make him a dick? I, look, I was in religious classes too. I was, I, I grew up a Catholic. I am, I am probably like agnostic or you know somewhere along those lines. Now, I think that I mean that's a question. That's a question that I would ask, which makes me like the song. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, I always joke. I always joke. I always say I'm atheist slash culturally Catholic, and people are like, "What does that mean?" I'm like, uh, "It means I like Notre Dame football." <laughs> cool. But no, but you know what? I'm I'm accepting and and um, respectful of all religions and creeds. Of course, it just was. It just was for me at a uh, certain age. I I I tuned out. Didn't mean to offend. Like, that was the thing too. I would always have to tell people, like, I'm not trying to offend you. I just don't like. I'm not offending you because my our belief systems aren't the same. So it's fine. We're, right. We're, you whatever can believe I whatever say, you want to believe in. I'm not going to oppress you. Whatever you want. Shit about what you believe in. I think I'm going to be dust someday, and that's fine with me. And I'm fine with that. And I'm completely fine with that. I'm somebody who was in Catholic school for ten years. I'm somebody who was a Jewish studies minor. I'm fascinated with religion. I'm fascinated with religion. I, I, uh, even though I make jokes and I make some harsh jokes about it, I am actually fascinated by all of it. And Maiden has a lot of religious imagery in their, in their songs. And it's never a like pro or con in a way. Like it's never a, we're promoting Christianity or we're shitting on Christianity. It's just, you know, we're going to sing a song about the Crusades or something. Exactly. And there's... Uh, most yeah, of their songs there's, are, there's, are just telling stories, essentially. Yes. Yes. And so so I always find that, you know, fascinating about there. And th- th- this song's kind of a perfect example of that. And that is... And that, and like I said, that's one of the questions... That, that's a very serious question that I'm sure goes in the heads of anybody, any, any, any person who thinks as a human regarding religion at some point in their life. Without a doubt, man. I mean, look, even if you are a religious person, you should be asking yourself that question. And maybe you have maybe you have a great answer. I don't have a great answer, but maybe you do, and that's totally fine. Oh, I know I know I know Catholic priests who have told me they've had these questions and that's you know what I mean. So it's because that's that's supposed to be part of the journey, you know, and I 
To each his own. But the, 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 the more important journey for me is the journey of Iron Maiden. <laughs> that's that's my journey in life. It's Hell yeah, man. The quest to know all Iron Maiden. I mean, these are clearly smart guys that have read a lot and are, are trying to inspire you to read and expand your horizons as well. Going back to a common theme with them, the next song is Death of the Celts, which is, again, about war and dying and death. How do you feel about this one? This is my favorite song on the record, actually. Yes, this is my favorite song on the record. And I actually have a t-shirt coming in that is like, they did they did individual artwork for each song on the album. That's how that that's what? how awesome Iron Maiden is. Like did not even really? just their Yeah. Yeah. So did they did they make like individual merch for each song? Yeah, there's like a crest for like Death of the Celts and it's like yeah, it's awesome. I'll send you the picture when we're done with this. It's I might have to go uh, check that out, man. That's interesting. Their their merch for this record. Like you want to talk about a band that just gets it and understands every facet of being a rock star. Like I think that might have something to do with the fact that they're that they're they're uh, constantly picking up new fans and generally they're never generationally uh, what's the word irrelevant. They never have been and never will be because I, I I think I think their merch has a big thing with that. No, I believe it. You're, you, especially nowadays. I mean, with the way that people can customize everything, like you can go make your own pair of Nikes right now. So they're like, "Cool, if you guys like this song, if this song is your favorite song, here's some merch for you." That's awesome. That was the joke. I, that was a joke I was making about making. I'm like, I don't I, like. I, I sounded like old grumpy man bitching about NFCs <laughs> or what do they are? What are they called? NFTs. Yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't say that wrong on purpose. I just had the National Football Conference in my in my head, and I. No, I know. I know. I know it was NFT, but I was like, I sounded like old man bitching about it. And I'm like, I just have no interest in those things. I'm like, I'll get. I'll, I'm like, I'll, I'll probably shell up for one when there's an Iron Maiden one. And somebody was like, they probably already have one. They probably do. <laughs> I mean, I think not to go on a tangent. I think NFTs are mostly bullshit, but. I understand the appeal to some people. I understand why some people would want them. I think that if the metaverse does take a real reality like approach to things, I think those things will be highly sought after. I mean, I don't know. I just have, I mean, here's the thing. I personally think they're stupid, but also at the same time, I try not to reserve judgment on people who do appreciate them because it might be something I just don't get. Yeah. I'm and, like, that, I, that's, and, that's I, and I, and I, and I, and I, I feel and I've learned later in life, don't judge things that you missed out on. Because you know what? Even if you just do think they're stupid, you're going to come across as somebody who's bitter and angry that you just weren't there for it. I mean, who knows? 20 years from now, the metaverse might be so big and you might be like, hey, man, I really want to buy this NFT. But I, you know, talked shit for 15 years. I have a record of it on Twitter for 15 years and me talking shit. Now I want to buy this. You know, like, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> I'm not saying <laughs> yeah, you like said, I'm just I, using that as an example. You no, know? no, I I know what you mean, though. I know what you mean. Like, like you know, it's like me. I don't get it, but you know what? I'm not going to judge you for it. I used to be, like I said, I, I I stopped being the back in my day guy. Like, I'm not that guy anymore. Let the kids have their fun. And you know what? I bet you there are some kids I'm going to run into at that Newark show that have some badass Iron Maiden NFT, NFTs. <laughs> they can pull them up on your phone and show you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. But yeah, I do. I love this song. Um, looking at my notes here, and I said, 
made to be my one of my favorite Maiden songs, Steve Harris acoustic bass. Steve Harris, when he does an acoustic bass in a song, it's awesome. He he only has a few of them, but it sounds it sounds like he was born in the 17th century, and I love it. I didn't realize that that was a thing on that record, but I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, does it does yeah. certainly sound you know more outstanding on that record. Yeah, like his acoustic bass, man. It's reminiscent of a song they did, and it's funny going back to Celtic ways. They did, they had a song in the weird years, I call them, because it was the years that Bruce Dickinson was the the in between years when Bruce Dickinson wasn't the singer of Iron Maiden. They had a song called "The Klansman" during the Blaze Bailey years, and no people, they're not talking about uh, our American Klansman. They're talking <laughs> about um, scottish clansman william it's a song it's a song based on william wallace and braveheart and that kind of thing that starts off with an acoustic bass and it's they uh they've been playing it on this tour with bruce on vocals and it's just a great song i love that it's become kind of a fan favorite even though it was during the dark years that people don't really talk about the blaze bailey years i like those records but a lot of people don't most most people don't People do like a few of their songs off there. They had their song, um, what was it? Man on the Edge, which was based on um, that movie uh, Falling Down with uh, Michael Douglas, where he shoots up everybody. Didn't see that one. Yeah, you, you, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Michael Douglas, suit and tie guy who freaks out one day and he goes all crazy all over L.A. shooting everybody in his Never suit and tie. The, le- the legendary scene at the burger joint where he wants breakfast and they're like, uh, breakfast ends at 11 and he's like... <laughs> <laughs> I want breakfast. You've never seen Falling Down? No, no. Okay, I missed uh, a lot stop. of good movies, we're, just so you know. We're going to stop the podcast right now because because uh, Matt here has to go see Falling Down and understand every SNL sketch that happened during the 90s based on uh, Falling Down. Oh, I should I should then because, I mean, I was heavily watching SNL during the 1990s. So yeah, I there has to be a yeah, that. that had to have been a very popular Halloween costume in the 90s. The the crew cut with the with the glasses and the uh, suit and tie with the short sleeve shirt and a bazooka. I mean, this sounds just like uh Farley in that when he lives in a van down by the river. That that's I mean, that's the picture that's coming to my head. Yeah. I don't know what came first, but Falling Down is... Falling Down's awesome. But Iron Maiden, to go back to pop culture, Iron Maiden had a song <laughs> based on Falling Down with Michael Douglas. And on that same record was The Klansman, which is the song... You, the Klansman is an Iron Maiden classic. And this song is very reminiscent of it. And it makes sense because it's... it's this is the death of the Celts. That was the Klansman. Klansman Celts. Very similar in tone. And yeah, um, this song, I just genuinely, genuinely, genuinely love. And there's a part in it. You know, we were talking about how the synth feels like an instrument. Yeah, certainly does on the this record. Yeah, synth, The synth on this song sounds straight up golden axe for Sega Genesis. Oh, fuck yes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> like when I hear this song, I want to go play some golden axe. Why are you doing this to me, dude? I have I have to edit this show. I have to edit another show. I can't be playing Golden Axe, even though it's right over there, <laughs> and I can be playing it in like five minutes from now. <sighs> Golden Axe rules. Yeah. So, I, I I what? So, what did you think of this song? I went on about it. What do you think? I mean, not my favorite song on the record. 
I, I would say this is like middle towards back of the pack for me. Like I think uh, Senjutsu is a better song. I think Writing on the Wall is a better song. And I certainly think Hell on Earth is probably my second or third favorite song on the record, which is what we're going to talk about in a minute. But Delta of the Celts was like, it's all right. You know, I got I got more into it the more that I listened to it because earlier you mentioned it to me that that was one of your favorite songs on the record. And so I made it a point to like listen to that song some more. And it it's just it's good. Just not my favorite. Well, there is a difference between best and favorite. Well, that's a theme of this of this uh, podcast too. There is a difference. There is a difference. I don't think, I think that, that musically the... musically that song is one of the top ones on the record, musically wise. Yeah, and I think I think like I'm writing on the wall to me might to me like be like the best song of the record. To yeah. me, that's the banger of the record. But Death of the Couch just puts me in a nice mood. Uh, I love hearing, like I said, I I love feeling like I'm in the Golden Axe Renaissance era <laughs> world. Dude, you're putting that spin on it makes me like it more. Now I'm going to think about that every time I hear it. To be honest with you, but I do want to talk about Hell on Earth because I I mean when we talked about. You know, a little bit earlier, we talked about Hallowed Be Thy Name and how that was such an epic way to end a record. I feel very similarly similarly to Hell on Earth. I think this fucking song is probably the second or third best song on the record. This song could not be anything but the closer on the record. For sure. Without a doubt. Um, again, they nailed the closer. Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden knows how to start a record. And they sure as hell know how to finish one. This song, it's very emotional, especially like, you know, for any parents of it. It's about children taking up arms and shit. Like, that's fucking crazy. Like, you know, having to send like a child to war. Like, I'm not talking about 18 year olds either. Like, you're talking about children. No, we're talking, we're talking kids. We're talking, we're talking barely double digit ages. <laughs> we're talking children. Yeah, man. It, here's, here's the third verse. And count your blessings still alive of those who managed to survive inside oblivion. Of that hell on earth. Shit. I mean, the, 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 there's more lyrics, obviously. Go listen to the song. But the song, the music is amazing. The song is very impactful. I mean, I, I like you said, I can't think of a better way to end this record. No, they, they really know how to close out a record. And that's a constant theme for their entire career. Even their records that aren't the best. And there's a couple. I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm pretty much a maiden completist. But I won't lie. There's... There's a few records in there I could do without. Almost all to a to a record have a fantastic closer, and even on records that I haven't liked, "No Prayer for the Dying," I don't want to mention names. Uh, <laughs> that that they they give you a closer where you almost go, "Huh, maybe the record wasn't as bad as I thought it was." <laughs> Whereas like this one actually just makes me think. Yeah, I was right about this record because all these epics are so damn good and this is just kind of putting the icing on the cake of that opinion. Certainly. I feel like this song is one of the longer ones. It's it's not the longest, but it's certainly up there, correct? Oh, I, I, I haven't looked and I'm going to look it up now, but it has to be. Yeah, it's, 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 11, it's 11 minutes and 20 seconds long. Oh, there you go. Yeah, when you get, when you get over 10, you're in, you're, in, uh, you're in Longville. From what I can tell, it looks like it's the second longest song on the record. Dude, when you look, here's here. I'm looking at the disc two uh, lengths. The, on on the disc two, you have the darkest hour, which is seven minutes and twenty seconds. Death of the Celts, ten twenty. The parchment, twelve thirty nine, 
and <laughs> Hell on Earth 1119. The yeah. baby of that, the baby of that one is a seven minutes and 20 seconds long. The shortest of the second disc. <laughs> That's probably the shortest song on the record, to be honest, dude. If not, it's very close. Very close to the shortest, I'm sure. Days of Future Past is only four minutes and three seconds. That's amazing. That's, That's they, they have one. They have one song that... <laughs> Like the, 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 they have that's the only one under six minutes. Running the wall is six thirteen. That's the second shortest on the record. Six minutes and thirteen seconds. Like I'm looking at these lengths. Oh no, uh, Stratega is four fifty nine. Okay, all right, there's a couple, there's a couple. But I mean, generally speaking, like they have, but they have one, two, three, four. Let's see. I'm gonna go over eight minutes. Eight minutes. They have one. Two. They have five songs over eight minutes on this record. That's forty minutes dedicated to five songs. <laughs> That's so nuts. And that didn't include six and seven minute songs. I have a thirty minute drive to work, and I can listen to two to three Iron Maiden songs on my work, depending on what those songs are. <laughs> Dude, I used I used I used to do that half hour to work. All right, I can just throw on Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner a couple times. I'll be there. I have to say, man, as far as Iron Maiden goes. There are peaks and valleys, mostly peaks. Especially if you're just going from like the Dickinson era. Very few, very few valleys. It's mostly peaks. No prayer for the dying I can do without. But there are songs I like on that record. Fear of the Dark, another another record I could do without. But could I do without it? Because I don't want to live in a world where the song Fear of the Dark doesn't exist. I don't know if Maiden's ever truly disappointed me. Even the Blaze Bailey era which everybody likes to trash. There's some really good stuff on there. And I know this is basically going to be like our Maiden episode. So like, I just recommend anybody go out there and just check out Maiden, man. Like really go out and check out Maiden. And if you're if you an haven't old already head done and you so. don't want to listen to new shit, you better go listen to Sinjutsu. It's fucking great. It's great. And I might even do another podcast or not another podcast. I'm sorry. Another playlist. Cause we were doing the ones on the songs that we were concentrated on today. I think I'm just going to, you know, in the next couple of days, do another Maiden podcast where I set a time limit I'm going to do. Not necessarily a uh, song per album one. It's just kind of a really long start to finish Maiden journey podcast. Not podcast, playlist. Another album. This is just a quick, very, very two second thing. I think metal is like still very relevant today. Like if you find like decent stuff to listen to. Ozzy put out an album in 2020 that was basically all about death called Ordinary Man. And I would say 90 to 95% of that songs are, are like fantastic. You should all go listen to Ordinary Man as well. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, and, I, and I listened to that Ozzy record after you, uh, after you suggested it. And I, I definitely dug it. I definitely dug it. And I, I wasn't really expecting to because honestly, I could, I could uh, take it or leave it with Ozzy for a long time now. But it was it was a lot better than I expected. I really I really did dig it, dude. There's only like one um, or two songs I don't like off that record. It's very very good, surprisingly good. So I will I will say if we're gonna if we're gonna if we're talking about metal here. Last week I went to a really good metal show down here. I went to see uh, Sepultura. With, you were telling uh, me openers. about this, but I haven't I haven't listened to any of their music, so I'm not gonna have a lot to input here. But how was the show? Show was amazing. I mean, Sepultura is a band that I I I uh, I had gotten into. I mean, geez, we're talking 1995, 96 is when I got into Sepultura. Loved them in high school, like adored Sepultura. And then when their uh, 
their uh, their their singer Max left the band, and it's it's one of those they're they're South American band, and it was one of those like classic like cultural feuds, like to the point where his brother Igor, who was in the band, played drums. They didn't speak for like twenty years. That's how much the feud went. So when Max left the band, I kind of tuned out. He started that band Soulfly. Max was in, he still is in, and I, I I tuned out. But I I mean I really dug their first few records. They were really important to me in in high school. A friend of mine, um, she had two tickets that she couldn't use. She gave them to uh, me and my uh, buddy Shane. We were really excited because Crowbar was opening. I had never seen Crowbar. Always wanted to see Crowbar. Crowbar is one of those bands. I mean, I got it, another one of those bands I got into through Beavis and Butthead. You know, <laughs> like, Crowbar. Can't wait. Crowbar was awesome. So it's like, yay, chalk it up. And I'm like, all right, hopefully Sepultura plays a uh, a few songs from um, Chaos AD and, and Roots that I really did, that I, that I like. They come on stage and my God, were they awesome. Their singer that they, I'm calling them their new singer. The guy's been in the band since like 1997. Not a new singer. He was awesome. And he's a, and he's an American guy, which is crazy because they're a South American band. But man, killing it, killing it. They played a bunch of jams that I loved that were really important to me. And the stuff that I hadn't heard before was great. I went out and uh, checked out their uh, most recent record, which is called Sepul Quatra. I think I'm hoping pronouncing that right. <laughs> what an interesting uh, name. Came out recently. It was a 2021 release. It's awesome, and I highly recommend it. That's highly, awesome. highly, highly recommend it. New Su- New Sepultura is awesome. If you're one of those people who's like me, tuned out after Max left, sounds like I have a about a 20 year uh, discography. I, I'm excited to really dive down on on the uh, what, the last uh, chapter of Sepultura. Band they sound like that might be w- more well known. Um, as my brother puts it, they're South American Slayer. Okay, that's perfect. I already have an idea of what to expect. Yeah, uh, you know what? Here, here, here's what's weird. They do have uh, some dirgy stuff, kind of like Crowbar, where it's kind of like that, uh, kind of sludgy. But then they'll just rip into thrash. Oh, not oh man. Yeah, I'll send you some stuff, dude. I'll send you some stuff. Like it sounds that, delicious. That's, that's gonna be ex- <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be exciting for you to 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 uh, to, to devour some Sepultura. It's just like awesome band. It was a great night of metal, and it was. It was um, really fitting that that those tickets were presented to themselves to me. It was literally a day after I posted on Facebook. I need more metal shows in my life. That's so awesome. It's amazing when the universe just gives you what you want sometimes. Yeah. And I'm like, Sepultura. And I even did that. I was doing the Sepultura. I haven't listened to anything they put out since like 97. And I'm like, dude, don't do that. Just go to the show. They're playing with Crowbar. You'll have fun. And well, I had a blast. John, that's the best answer we could have given. I think it's a great way to end the show. Just go to the show. Someone gives you tickets, just go. If you don't like it, that's fine. But you gave it a chance. And that's the thing that matters the most. Absolutely. We went we had too we had too much of not being able to go to anything. Go to everything you can. Alright, guys. So don't forget to follow us over on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. You can follow us at Nerdthusiast on all those things. Like and subscribe. Uh, if you're checking out the podcast over on Apple or Spotify, give us a five-star review. Those do really help us out, and we appreciate it. Of course, if you can financially support us, that would be amazing. It helps out all of our shows. 
It's patreon.com slash nerdthusiast. You can go there and donate as little as a dollar a month and get access to things like poll topics, uh, different tiers. We'll give you exclusive videos. You'll get exclusive stuff from, you know, from music, from gaming, all different aspects of stuff that we cover. So please go check out our Patreon over there. We just want to mention also you can follow us at nerdthusiast.com where we have blog posts for a, a variety of different things. John has wrote multiple articles about music, if that's what you guys are into. Again, there's toys, collectibles, all sorts of things over at nerdthusiast.com, so check that out. John, if people want to follow you, where can they do that at? Uh, that would be on Twitter, SloopJ232, on the Instagram, SloopJohn232. And all i got to say is, up the irons! Up the irons. I'm Matt. You guys can follow me on Twitter at from NJ2CA, the two is a number two. Until next time, you guys, take care.